Welcome to the club no one ever wanted to join. This is Refused, the unofficial podcast of Eliasm.org. Having a tough time spelling that? It's an acronym for I Live in a Sexless Marriage. Listen to stories, articles, and sometimes the dark humor experienced by those in sexless marriages here on Refused. On Eliasm.org, you'll see much wiser people than me give advice on coping with sexless marriage. And you may see my less useful posts under the name Mirror Orchid. Until then, you've suffered enough. On with the show. This episode of Refused is not brought to you by Drunken Donuts. When Taco Bell and McDonald's are closed, Drunken Donuts is still open. Strong coffee and donuts to get you ready for work after your midweek bender. Try their Bloody Mary Donut or the new Hair of the Dog Donut with rum and toasted coconut. The world staggers along with Drunken. Introductions on the Refuse podcast are a little different until the phenomenon of sexless marriages conversation for polite society. Some discretion is called for. Personal background of the members of Eliasm, I live in a sexless marriage.org, hereafter referred to with difficulty as Eliasm, will be left to the interviewed guests. With that CYA explanation done, I introduce longtime valued member of the Elizam community, Padme. Thank you for being our first interview to start off. Tell us a bit about your marriage history. Uh, I was married for 16.8 years, and then I got a divorce recently. Um, she's the only sexual partner I've ever been with to date. And I was happy at one time, but have no recollection of problems until the birth of our second daughter um, about three years after the marriage. And then it was pretty much all over as far as the passion and the desire from, from her direction. So. At what point did you start telling yourself the refusals were a problem? six to nine months, a patient man. Were there other effects of postpartum depression that lasted? Was sexlessness the one symptom to stay, or did she have the other signs that stayed intact for those six to nine months? She definitely had some depression going on. Um, I remember she came to me and thought she had postpartum depression. Um, I think I was empathetic, but Passively, not proactively. So um, I probably encouraged her to get help. I really don't remember. <laughs> but she did not get help. And eventually it seemed like she was, I guess, dealing with it and not as depressed. But I don't know if she was 
if she stopped being depressed or if she just started figuring out how to hide it. Don't really know. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what did you do to fix the sexlessness or the low sex environment, or try to do for that matter? Um, well, of course, there was the, I didn't know what to call it back then, but the, the scented candling approach to trying to, you know, do the things that one would expect a woman would want in order to spark the, the fire back into the marriage, but also I prayed quite a lot, uh, probably, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 times a day, every day for at least about five or six years, and of course, same old, same old, keep doing the same thing and expect different results, that's, you know, that didn't, didn't work out for me, so uh, we did do marriage counseling, or we attempted it twice. Once was right after I was hospitalized for what was discovered to be bipolar disorder uh, on about probably the fifth year into the marriage. And um, that was a big deal for me, and that was the end of our sex life. Like, we didn't have sex zero times after that for seven years. And... Um, so, you know, the marriage counseling didn't solve that. It really didn't, especially when the counselor would recommend to my ex-wife, uh, you really need therapy. And she would say, no, that's the end. I'm not coming back. So, yeah, that's, that's what I had to deal with. Hmm. The, uh, given the outcome. Might say the prayers weren't answered. Did that damage your faith? Absolutely, it did. Um, you know, I've I've thought of myself. I've thought about Job a lot, even since my <laughs> mom died when I was eleven. I felt very much like I've been dealt a raw hand, but I did stay faithful as Job did. I did continue to be involved with the church and very much believing that um, I was on the straight and narrow path, um, you know, even into the marriage. I believe this, and I can't really name something that I did to go astray, but just feeling that, you know, I'm crying for help and it wasn't answered for me in the way that I thought it should be, it was very damaging to my faith. Um, you know, my ex-wife and I did teach Sunday school together. Um, I thought that was a good thing, but she noticed that kids in our church were not the same age as our girls, and she felt like they didn't have peers there. So she announced to me that she was leaving the church. She was taking my kids, and I can come with them to another church if I want. But that was very damaging. But I went with them, and then we went to her mother's church, and I joined the choir, and then before you know it, she's ready to go to another church. So I lost connection with the people of church in addition to the man upstairs, and yes, I feel very confused even now about all of that. Okay.
Job, Job was tested and wondered about uh, similar conflicts there. Uh, what role did sexlessness play in in um, your own mood, your depression? I think it was the primary um, the primary void that caused the depression for me. I mean, certainly I've had depression prior to marriage, um, and it was the loss of my mother, and you know. I just think that the loss of my wife, her, I don't know what you want to call it, her approval or her her desire, it was even more difficult for me than losing my mom. I, just, mm. I really believe, I believe that. And yes, it was very depressing. And I can't really name any other things other than those two things that have caused me to feel depressed losing these two women in my life yeah there was um you had mentioned previously there was seven years between marriage counseling what was that interim like where you grabbed a hold of the plug on the 15th anniversary um it was excruciating um so we were 100% celibate that whole time. Um, after the hospitalization for bipolar, uh, it was a couple of months before I worked up the nerve to approach her for sex. And, of course, I was shut down at every turn. And, you know, I mean, she's dealing with, oh, my God, I married a psycho, I guess. But, you know, most people in my life, don't look at me that way, but um, we would. I would come to her about once every six months after that process for, you know, we need to have the talk, and I was constantly met with changing the subject or, why are you attacking me, um, you know, reactions that remind me of what is called Darvo on the forum. Hmm. Um, and so I was met with a lot of that. And at one point, you know, I sent her an email that tried to express my concerns. And then after I sent it, I had that remorse that, oh, my God, I shouldn't have sent that. So I went onto her phone, and I was going to delete it from her email. And what did I see on the screen? She had just ordered Fifty Shades of Grey, which, you know, basically is, mommy porn to me and <laughs> you know I just confronted her about it but she didn't really hmm. express any remorse about that at all yeah. and um, things kept going on the same depressing way for me and we couldn't really connect on these issues and so finally um I noticed on our 14th anniversary, I had set out the table with her, you know, one of her favorite meals, put flowers on the table. She comes home from work, and it's like, what's all this? You know? And <laughs> oh, my. The girls, the do my daughters were there. They knew what was going on. And after a 
couple of minutes of coming to the realization, she just looked at my daughters and said, girls, I owe your father now. She didn't say a word to me about it. Yeah. And then, of course, there was no, uh, she may have owed me something, but she never paid me back. A year goes by, 15th anniversary, big milestone. I had a, an anniversary card. It was in the drawer. I just let it sit in the drawer, see what happens, and the day comes and the day goes, and the subject of anniversary didn't come up. So she forgot it again twice in a row, even after having said that to the girl. <laughs> and that was the breaking point at which I said, I can't do this anymore. And she said, okay, let's do marriage counseling. So, of course, I agreed to do marriage counseling. But it was mostly me trying to communicate my hurt and her getting her feelings hurt in the process, but not really investing, not really sharing her pain, not really looking for solutions, mainly just there, in my opinion, to say that she had tried this. That's what it seemed to me. So, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, there was mention in my show notes about uh, individual therapy and her uh, her planning to do so. Did that ever happen? No. 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 <laughs> both, both, both counselors that we saw recommended that for her specifically. It's probably because during both times I was getting therapy on my own already. They may mm. have recommended it for me too, but I was already getting it. But for her, she had no intention of going to individual therapy. Mm. I don't know why. She didn't express it to me. Some point after that second marriage counseling failed, I told her, you know, she had brought up in the past because the first time she said she claimed she walked out of that first marriage counselor's office because she thought the individual therapy was going to be them trying to talk her into leaving me. Now, it, it was also realized sometime later that she did go to an attorney, a divorce attorney, Ooh. and consider leaving me at that time and during that time period. But her claim to me was she didn't want to go back to that first therapist counselor because they were going to try to convince her to leave me. So the second time around, it was, it's got to be a Christian marriage counselor. Okay, that's fine. The Christian marriage counselor and recommended therapy. And later she seemed to be saying she didn't want them to talk her into leaving me again, but I said, I don't think a Christian marriage counselor is going to try to encourage you to divorce me. But there was never any, like, I don't know, aha moment there. But but never on her own. She never the, went out on I'm, her own. No, not not to my knowledge, I, I highly doubt she went on her own. You said you went to individual therapy. Um, did you find any any particular tactic or coping mechanism that helped you uh, get get through the long periods of sexlessness? Well, I mean, therapy was definitely helpful. It was more about 
just going into my past and dealing with unresolved issues from my childhood, I think it was helpful for me. But for the marriage itself, I mean, yes, there was the therapist. I mean, I've, I've been through four therapists during my adult life, plus one when I was a kid. But the fourth one was the most helpful. I still see him now, but... Um, he did encourage me to connect more with my ex-wife, and I did. And we did counseling, and my therapist was there for me during all that period, but eventually he did sort of see it my way that I needed to leave the marriage. Um, so I think that was the biggest advantage of therapy for the sexlessness issue. Yeah, okay. Um you, from our, the conversations and the posts on Elizam.org, uh, I've been getting the impression that you're uh, rising from your recent divorce and seeing general hopefulness uh, in, in your outlook. Curious how uh, your ex-wife is handling her end of the divorce, if, if it's okay to say. to the time machine. What would you tell yourself before getting married? Um, I would focus on educating myself on the pitfalls of overcompliance with, I don't know, society's rules about marriage and an excessive devotion to the Bible. Uh, I would probably advise myself to go sow my royal oats because, you know, I mean, I did, I entered this relationship a virgin, but I was not one when we got married, but it, it's still kind of the same thing to me. I didn't know, I didn't have any other experience with sex outside of this one person, and I think that was to my disadvantage, maybe, and I know that there are others on the forum that have expressed this, um, and one guy on there in particular mentioned the Ferris Bueller movie where uh, Ferris says about Cameron, Cameron has never been in love, at least nobody's ever been in love with him. If things don't change for him, he's going to marry the first girl he lays, and she's going to treat him like shit because she will have given him what he has built up in his mind as the end-all, be-all of human existence. 
she won't respect him because you can't respect somebody that kisses your ass. It just doesn't work. Okay, so I relate to that. I do. So that's kind of me seeing this in society, this problem of, you know, the Bible says you should never have sex until you get married. But there are problems with that belief, and we all need to be aware of that. Yeah. Um, what were some of the the uh, biblical lines that seemed to lead you astray in this case? The, the virginity, um, I suppose, but were there particular uh, things that, eh, probably you were following that advice and it didn't serve you well? I mean, I, I don't really like to trash Christianity because <laughs> I spent 30, 30 years of my life I don't know whether I am one now, perhaps not, but I will say I've had a real problem with trust the Lord and lead not unto your own understanding. I mm. mean, that sounds really good when you're, when you're immersed in the Bible, but, you know, for me, there's been some problems with that thinking. Um, so, you know, I was sort of trying to, follow that path for 30 years and it led me to a place where I was depressed enough to get hospitalized for a psychiatric problem even though I was you know totally in the the Bible mindset the whole time maybe um, uh, you know waiting for that the help from God that never seemed to happen and so that was an issue that's a that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, during this time when I was starting to question what the Bible says, and I'm, I now separate what I, I believe about God from what I read in the Bible. It's not necessarily yeah. equal. But, um, I, you know, I've found that just considering my situation against the claims of homosexuals, believing that they are born that way and it's not a choice because for me I'm heterosexual but having that need for sex whether it's inside marriage or not it's real and my wife doesn't seem to have it so she maybe was born that way or she is that way and she can't change it any more than I can change my needs and I totally come to believe that a homosexual person is right when they say, I can't change my needs either. Mm. I believe that now. So that's one way that I've changed from the biblical mindset. Okay, that's <laughs> that's a interesting wrinkle. Um, getting back in the time machine. Uh, about the time you noticed the sexlessness problem arising, what would you tell yourself about what to do and how to prepare to prevent what happened or brace for the impact? Um, I would say take off a few days from work, research the issue on, I forgot how you pronounce it, <laughs> Eliasm. <laughs> Eliasm. I don't think we've agreed on a pronunciation yet, so go for it. Eliasm, Eliasm. The, the forum. The forum, the most important forum. 
Um, research the issue wherever you need to on the internet. Uh, read it until it sinks in, and then say to your spouse, stonewalling is a deal breaker for me if you don't respectfully discuss real solutions to this marital problem then start packing and if she doesn't start talking or packing then start interviewing lawyers hmm. the uh i hear your charles bronson's voice when i when i uh, read that in my show notes uh for the millennials and z listeners think vin diesel but uh would you be laying it down hard like that or was that for was that for our sake the old me certainly would not have said it like that and i probably haven't watched charles bronson in 30 years (laughs) i don't remember exactly how he would have done it but i think i'm probably somewhere in the middle um i don't consider myself a cold hard super alpha but even barney five understands the importance of nipping it in the bud so (laughs) i think you know, you can't just say to yourself, well, I'm just going to be nice and let, you know, let them know I care. That's not good enough. That's just, that's the path to hell. That's my belief. Well, so. uh, that pretty much exhausts the questions I had for you. I appreciate you calling in as our first interview on this uh, unofficial Eliasm podcast. Thanks a lot for calling in. Okay, thank you. That's today's show. Thanks for listening. Drop by Eliasm.org to learn a whole lot more about sexless marriages and what to do about them. Or just find this sympathetic ear. That's I-L-I-A-S-M.org. We're sorry you tuned in, but do it again soon. Thanks once more to Eliasm member Pajmi for today's interview. This podcast was edited by Mirror Orchid. The intro and outro music is sampled from the instrumental Drown in Thoughts on the album Illusions by X Tickerex, whose name I may be butchering. Available at freemusicarchive.org. So long, you're not alone, it'll be okay. I need a better sign off. <laughs>